1: On this episode of the Grace Saves All podcast, I'm pleased to welcome back Peter Hyatt to share with us an opportunity to give and to help the Sanctuary Denver Church make their budget for the end of the year. I think this is an opportunity for a lot of us, I know it is for me, to begin participating and giving to the Sanctuary Church in Denver and to begin supporting Uh, Peter Hyatt and that church and what they're doing and get more connected with it. And if you're looking for a fellowship or a community where you can feel connected from a distance, uh, the Sanctuary Church in Denver, led by Peter Hyatt, is endeavoring to be that place for you. So I'm hoping that this podcast will help the Sanctuary Denver meet their budget for the end of the year, and that people who listen to this podcast will consider making a gift to the uh, Sanctuary Denver, and maybe connecting with Peter Hyatt and that congregation as uh, maybe your online church. So, anyway, here's the interview with Peter Hyatt, which begins kind of in mid conversation. And for me, yeah, it's very liberating because what for me what this means is that at the very ground of my being. Is 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 my identity as God's child, and that, and that God will not let any insanity that plants itself there, ultimately uh, frustrate that. And I've seen people lose their minds. I've seen people go insane, and it scared yeah. me because I thought, well, what did that happen to me?
2: Right. And, if I'm scared by my own knowledge of good and if I'm saved by my own knowledge of good and evil, it's utterly terrifying because right. my, that's a that's a function of my brain. And it's yeah. like <laughs> susceptible
1: just gotta, to rot. So I'm not I'm not, you know, charismatic Pentecostal, but I just got chill bumps because every time I think to myself, I'm getting them now, every time I think to myself that God is saying to me, David, this is not about your ability to have me. This is about my ability to have you. And there's nothing that can separate you ultimately from, for my love for you. So don't, don't worry about going insane. Don't worry about dementia. Don't worry about anything in this world. Just enjoy the relationship that we're having and be confident that I have you. Yeah, I think that's exactly it. And then once I got that, that was like, okay, that's grace. And then it was, well, how can that, 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 um, has to be for everybody.
2: Yeah. Well, and, and okay, now we're getting into the whole thing. So, but I mean, that's you know why I, the whole.
1: You yeah. know what? we Well, let's just go ahead. <laughs> we should let's just stop. go ahead and yeah. get going. No, no, let's just go ahead and we'll, Okay. I'll just offer a brief prayer. We'll just keep on going. All right. Well, Heavenly okay, Father, thank you for this time that I uh, get to be together and visit with Peter and help us to have a good conversation. And I think, Heavenly Father, that you want the Sanctuary Church in Denver uh, to continue on in that place. And so I want to be a part of how you're going to make that happen and um, pray that uh, we'll have a good conversation, that people will hear this and, and want to pitch in uh, with what you're doing at the sanctuary in Denver. Make these prayers in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Um, yeah, so uh, this whole revelation that I had was that God has me. And if God if God has me this way, it can't be because anything that I've done, it must all be grace. And once I yeah. got to that point, then it was like, hallelujah, and also, uh-oh, because how am I going to explain this to people? And I started searching around, trying to think about how I could do this, and uh, it wasn't long before I ran into um, folks like, uh, um, well, uh, Robin Perry. And um George Sarris, and uh Thomas Talbot and and then I found out that there was going to be a conference at this place in the in Denver called the Sanctuary. And I'd seen you because you have this wonderful video, how an annihil I think it's called How an Annihilationist Became a uh.
2: Oh yeah, that was from going to the rethinking hell conference, and a guy yeah. just brought his camera and said, "Can I make a video of this?" And yeah, and it, we, we used our downside up films, and then that turns out to be the one that most people saw. Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: yeah, it's a, how I think how an annihilationist became a well, yeah, a it was a conference on
2: three options regarding hell, and they had mm-hmm. uh, universalists, annihilationists, and traditionalists, and because the group that sponsored it were annihilationists, I think I t- it was. I titled it how one Christian annihilationist became a universalist or something. And all those terms bother me, but that's why we talked about annihilationism, because when I was in seminary, I, like th- that was just wonderful news to me that, okay, God, you're mm-hmm. just going to turn some people to annihilate them and not going to endlessly torture them. But then the more I looked at it, the more I thought, well, wait a minute, scripture is saying he makes everything new and he, he can do amazing things with dust. So that's what that, yeah, that's what that video and conference was Yeah. About. It's
1: called, for anybody that wants to look it up, it's called Peter Hyatt, how one biblical annihilationist became a biblical universalist. Yeah. Is and that it's what funny. it's titled? <laughs> yeah. And I see, we you know if sometimes I just get online and I search for, see if anything's saying anybody, if anybody's saying anything new, about Christian universalism or anything. And I always, that video always comes up. I always see that. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, I should do that. I should search online. <laughs> well, it's, it's just interesting. Well, I'm so
2: glad that you've found it.
1: Yeah. And so, you know, the, the I think for, I, I know for me, and I think for a lot of people, the the Denver, the Sanctuary Church in Denver, getting to come to Denver and getting to be together with other people, the way you did your conference, you didn't really make it um, to where you had to be an outright Christian universalist. You had to be either that or sympathetic to the idea and have a very high regard for scripture. And yeah. you just wanted a gathering of people that was was going to do that. And so that was just a wonderful gathering for me to get to to go to.
2: Yeah. I think what, what I said at the start is we, we need some kind of focal point or something we all agree on. And the two things, w- w- one was you at least hope that God actually makes all things new. And then secondly, mm-hmm. that you ha- believe in some sort of the authority of Scripture. So in other words, it's not just wishful thinking, but we're, um, we're assuming that God is revealing himself somehow in the Bible. And yeah. then with kind of those two poles, just let people talk.
1: But one of the things I discovered about when I went to the Denver <clears throat> when I went to the Denver Sanctuary Church was that it had it had been uh, it was a big building and it had been, I think, uh, what was it originally? What was the uh, yeah, building originally?
2: It was, originally it was Fourth Church of Christ Scientist. So, yeah, yeah it was, Mary Baker Eddy, Mary and then it had been the Zen Temple of Denver. Um, so it it's had an interesting history.
1: So it's, it's it's a great big old building that has lots of uh, – uh, idi- I'll say the building has lots of idiosyncrasies. <laughs>
2: yeah, it's a weird-looking build- weird building <laughs> inside. Well, it was designed by the guy who did the Red Rocks Amphitheater just oh. west of Denver. Well, it is
1: – it is cavernous on the inside. It is a huge, it is a huge space. It's a giant space. Uh, Yeah. And when I went, it had, um, it had like chairs for like half of it. And then the upper, the back part of it was just this big kind of cement slab that was, there was nothing there, but you said like now that, now that you've got somebody came across.
2: We have pews there. So (laughs) we have way more seats than people that show up in the church. Um, so it helps me to remember. Oh, there are people online, so I'm yeah. speaking to more than just the people in this room.
1: Well, one of the reasons I wanted to have you on the podcast is um, we were we were visiting, and you were saying that you were uh, in the process of of trying to make your budget for the um, for the end of the year, and we were talking about that. And I've been in that position before, you know, where you're praying for the Christmas miracle. You need you're hoping yeah, right. to cross yeah. the finish line. And um, and so I think a lot of it, a lot of us love you and we love the uh, the Denver Sanctuary Church. And it's nice that 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 this uh, belief that we share, that that God is making all things new, isn't just sort of floating around in the ether, but there's an actual place that we can go to the sanctuary church in Denver and it's a, you know, we can go and physically be there and be together. And for me, I don't think of it just as a place for folks in Denver. To me, it was a place like I look forward to going to conferences there and I yeah. would hope that there would be, that it would be a place, a gathering place for people in Denver, but also if in the years to come, that there would be some really good, fun conference type gatherings that would continue to to take place um, sort of regularly in some way at the Denver sanctuary.
2: Well, yeah, that would be great with me. It's a, it's a a wild thing to put those on and figure out how to make it work, but we do have a big space and you know, that you're interested in doing a hosting a conference there with, you talked about David Campbell is really exciting for me. Douglas, Yeah. Douglas. Douglas Douglas Campbell. Campbell. Sorry. You're David. But, But, but that, yeah, that would be wonderful for me because I'd like to be, uh, you know, a participant. And when you're the host, you kind of feel responsible for everybody there. So I'm happy to dump responsibility on somebody else. But
1: well, uh, I I, I like it because I think that we've I feel this way over the past few years. A lot of us have kind of gotten to know each other. And I think we're sort of working together as a team in a way to try to help each other out. And so anything that one of us can do to help the rest of us, you know, and so uh, that's why I wanted to inform my podcast audience that, well, that there is a need uh, you guys are trying to 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 uh, financial uh gap. You guys are trying to make up by the end of the year. And I was thinking about, you know, it's a the, it's a wonderful life, you know, movie at the very uh-huh. end at Christmas, you yeah. know, all of the all the finances come in. And so I was just thinking it'd be fun. Uh, for, for us to get to be a part of the Christmas miracle at the uh, sanctuary <laughs> that would, <laughs> so, that, that, would so that, so that when, so that when Peter, you know, Hyatt, you know, at the end of the year, he, he's not worrying about money and you're focused on, on um, bigger things. And I just like the idea to me, this doesn't feel like a something that I have to do, but something that would be good, good to do and fun. And it's Fun to make sacrifices for each other within this because that's how life works. We sacrifice for each other, then the whole body works together. You talk about that so beautifully. Would you say something uh, about that?
2: About uh, about sacrifice? Yeah, you know. Or, how, yeah,
1: yeah. You know, you talk about how the the blood flows through the body. Yeah. And if, and if one part of the body decides I'm gonna hold on, I'm not gonna let the blood flow through me, you know, then it makes that part of the body die off.
2: Yeah, so yeah, that's big, be- and and that's kind of a passion that I have for this whole movement is, uh, well, that we that we would do those two things that we'd be excited about what Scripture says about God making all things new, and then also Scripture. So I f- I feel like that that we would that we would trust that God's revealing His story in Scripture, and you know, I don't come out of like a biblicist tradition, but I do feel like the thing that God has ask me to do cuz you know cuz you do just go god what are you asking me to do and and well first of all I, th- I think what he's asking the sanctuary to do is to be a a worshiping community community to witness to who he, who he is but he's also asked me to preach expositional sermons from from scripture and what seems to keep happening in this movement if if i look at it at least in america over the last several hundred years is people get all excited about God making all things new and then they kind of throw the baby out with the bathwater kind of saying well we really don't need the bible anymore and you know one of the ways that happens is with sacrifice and but i think if you if you take scripture at its word sacrifice becomes was well, it's, it's fascinating because it's a very different thing in scripture than what we think of. And I think that's because the church in America has equated penal substitutionary atonement, you know, to use that big phrase with sacrifice. And then we've gone back into the Bible and read that into all these old Testament verses and said, well, this is horrifying. And the truth is it is horrifying, but the old Testament doesn't allow for penal substitutionary atonement and the And God is fine with, it seems to me, painting pictures that he explains later, which shouldn't be surprising to all of us, right? Because in this world, we all live with sacrifice. I mean, we all have things that we love, and then lo and behold, we have to lay them down. And if I attribute that to chance or to human evil, well, it's really utterly terrifying. But if I can postulate that, no, there's a God who's in control— well, then I have to deal with so why did my mother die why did someone get cancer why did I have to lose my job um and and suffering can be transformed into well into sacrifice which in reality I think is love so when you know John says in first John 4 he says and this is love not that we love god but that he loved us and gave his son as a in Greek it's hēlaskaria on it or in you know the NIV I think it says a sacrificial atonement for our sins. Well if if you look at that from penal substitutionary atonement it's this idea that well God is just and Jesus is love so God had to go beat up on Jesus to feel better about you and God is just an absolute monster and mm-hmm. but if you look at it from another standpoint what the Helascarion is is it's it's the lid on top of the of the mercy seat in the holy of holies in the temple, and then if if you if you take scripture seriously, and sometimes I use the word literally, and by that I don't mean according to our concepts of space and time, but if I if I stop um, taking everything as allegory but i but, I take it as well, what did Peter mean? So we're preaching through first Peter now when he talked about living stones coming together if i if I believe what he says that we're really the living temple, that all of us together are the temple, and each one of us is a temple, and in the depths of the temple, there is this inner sanctuary, and on top of the seat is this mercy seat, and that the blood is brought back to the temple, and the temple is a body. Well, this amazing picture emerges in which all of humanity is, if I take scripture seriously, according to Paul, all of humanity is this body that's coming together, which is the body of the eschatos Adam, And at the heart of that Adam is this inner sanctuary that has everything to do with blood flow. So the original sin of Adam, we all die in Adam, says Paul, That we all took the life of christ and held it within ourselves and turned ourselves into these vessels of wrath where we imprisoned the life and then when we when we love which is ultimately sacrificing self for something else we're bringing the blood back to the temple which is like a picture of the blood flowing back to the heart and the very first one to ever do that the firstborn of all creation firstborn from the dead is jesus who um he surrenders his spirit on the cross and the spirits in the blood and then lo and behold god puts the spirit right back into him and he rises from the dead and that's not if if i so i'm saying a lot here but if i if i follow penal substitutionary atonement what i'm kind of saying is that god killed jesus so he wouldn't have to kill us or jesus suffered so we wouldn't have to suffer but if I throw that out and I believe what scripture is really saying, well, then Jesus suffered to teach me how to suffer so that I could live. So on the other side of that curtain in the Holy of Holies, what is the thing that God is constructing? You know, Because in the sacrifices, the, the whole point in Le- like Leviticus 16 is you're bringing the blood back to the heart of the temple. You're bringing the life back to the heart because God is building one new man out of all these broken pieces. And that new man is the body of Christ. And once I'm inside the body, well then sacrifice is not a terrifying thing. Sacrifice is actually the experience of ecstasy. So my body, I'm sitting here, my body feels pretty good. And that's because every part of my body is losing its life and finding it. And the life is in the blood and I experienced that as ecstasy. So the very thing that terrifies me from outside of the body is life and joy and peace inside of the body. And the beautiful news of the gospel is that God is bringing together. This is Ephesians 1.10. The plan for the fullness of time to unite or bring together under one head is the Greek word all things in Christ Jesus Anna so, Anna you
1: know. Yeah which, I decided which to memorize is, I decided to okay. memorize that it was this such is, a beautiful yeah. word Anna Anna Yeah
2: all the all the Greek words like head is in there and yeah. again, and and then I found <laughs> out and this is so funny because in Latin the you know I have like I think I have oh, what's the guy's name um over there burkoff systematic theology which is kind of the gold standard and he has all these theories of atonement and he's arguing for penal substitution but their very first theory that he mentions is from irenaeus who was a disciple i think of polycarp who was a disciple of john so we're talking guys that hung out with with the Mm -hmm. actual disciples and they call his theory the recapitulation theory, which at the time I'm like, I don't know what that means. And that's because recapitulate comes from the Latin for recapitulato right. or something. But he got that all from Ephesians one ten, which is that word anacephalio. And that's the oldest, that's the oldest, according to Burkhoff, that's the oldest atonement theory. And basically... What the church fathers were saying is, yeah, as in Adam, all die. We all, we all go to the, to the, you know. I think all the trees are related to each other. We all go and we take the life of Jesus. We, we say, my life is my own, and we cast ourselves away from God with our own self-centeredness mm-hmm. and our ego. And then the gospel is that, lo and behold, there, there's seed that was in the fruit, and there's seed to us that comes as a word and jesus rises from the dead in each one of us that we're the we're the tombs in which he's entombed and he draws us back to the tree where god puts us all back together again in this incredible communion mm-hmm. that is the and, communion inside the body which is this communion of sacrifice
1: well and and then the head of this body is christ and yeah. I, it's it, the he is the head not just of the church but of humanity
2: yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. We
1: are all being recapitulated, re, re-put back together in Him. And I, I, I got a chance to study that Greek word kephala, because, you know, there's that 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 the Paul talks about the the man is to be the head of the, like the head uh-huh. of the the, yeah. the head of things, and that can sort of get the the idea that well the guy just gets to sit in his easy chair and drink beer <laughs> and order his wife and kids around. Yeah. and they and but in they said that when I studied it or what I look found out about it is that Kafala in the Greek means the head is more like the source the font
0: so yeah, I think of like yeah. the head
1: of like the head of a river is, oh that's is, is so the, great is the font and they also said that in in Greek in the military in the the way they used to do the military back then when when a, a group of soldiers would go in. the the head person that would go in was the kafala. He would Uh lead the charge. He would take the greatest risk. So he would go forth sacrificially. If anybody was going to go down first, it was going to be him. And and so it wasn't, I'm going to sit in the back and command headquarters and uh, let me know how the battle goes or (laughs) You know, I'm going to be watching watching football, hun. Why don't you get my dinner fixed for me and bring it to me and set it on my set it on my lap here? It's exactly. It's the it's the reverse kind of kind well, of
2: image. Well, well, and it, the funny thing is, it's. I mean, I I kind of feel like I'm going nuts sometimes, and it's simply taking the Bible literally. So, you know, Paul says and. First Corinthians one, is it that he says he has become our righteousness. God has made him our righteousness, which means a right decision in me is it's him in communion with me. And the law is that I love my neighbor as myself. And uh, well, I love God. I love my neighbor as myself. And love is this when it's revealed is this amazing sacrifice and lo and behold, God is love. So how on earth I can't make love? Love has to make me. And how does He make me? Well, he makes me by rising from the dead in the sanctuary of my heart and being and becoming this new desire in me, which is this desire for the ex to share in the Father's joy.
1: Well, the, one of the funny things that happened to me about all of this is I, I thought I had a really grand vision of God. And I was about 50 years old and had been doing ministry for a while. And and my God was very resourceful, didn't give up on people. The only way that you could finally uh, sort of wiggle your way out of God's eternal embrace was if you just absolutely defied him to the very end, knowingly, you know, after all, all the misconceptions are gone, you see God for who God is and you see yourself for who you are, and then you say, no, thank you. And you go off into oblivion or some kind of shadow world existence that goes on eternally um and so my my god was so good and so strong he was going to save everybody that was savable which i imagine would be almost everyone you know once all the clouds all got cleared away and everything was understood but that there might be some people that weren't able to be saved so when i came um in 2010, 2011, I went through my process of rethinking all of this, and I came to my understanding, know that it's that God's grace will always be triumphant. That there is nothing that can separate us from who He is for us and with us, and that means all of us. Uh, it was like um, it was sort of a small change. It was a sort of a small step in my theology because the only thing I was saying was, "Okay, God can save everything, but the scum of the earth." And then I decided, yeah. no, uh, no, you know what? God can save even the scum of the earth.
2: <laughs> yeah, Paul says we are the scum of the earth, right? Right, right. Okay, well, yeah. so
1: then then after that happened, I was still reading the same Bible, but I just kept having, it was like I would open the pages and it was like just like a fist would come out and just punch me because uh-huh. I would like, how did I miss that before? Or how did I not see that? How it, But it was like I couldn't see it for some reason. Yeah, but once I started seeing it, I couldn't. I started seeing it all over the place, and I was yeah, well, how exactly, did I? How did so I miss ex- this?
2: That's exactly the same for me, and I think we miss it because for a whole bunch of reasons. I mean, I think part of it is modernism and the things we've been told uh, about Scripture and the way we read it, and then part of it is that penal substitutionary atonement thing but if you but that's why i'm so my big thing is i'm always encouraging people to take the bible literally but then i have to go back and define the word literal so it, it, in our society in our modern society literal has come to mean according to our concepts of space and time and we have this idea that time is always chronological and space can't be violated and uh, it's 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 a belief that i don't think really took hold in the western world until after the enlightenment but now that's all being blown apart and physicists say look you can't take anything literally because space and time themselves are that's not literal so by literal what i mean is what did the author mean so when peter says you're living stones is that simply an allegory or are we like really dust infused with the breath of god and If you take like for me, you know, Genesis has become so cool and I used to be utterly embarrassed by Genesis. But if I take the Bible literally, a day cannot be 24 hours because the word day is used three different ways in Genesis one and refers to a different amount of time. But if I take it at its word that God is love and Jesus is the way, the truth and the life, and then I work from that standpoint backwards if I take the meaning seriously, well, the story just becomes utterly spectacular and 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 beautiful. Well, so I, but, but here's let me can I share okay. this with you? This is because uh, this just became clear to me this last week. I'm sitting in prayer because we're preaching through First Peter, and over and over again, I find this to be true that I'll go to the text thinking, okay, I know what it's saying and I'm going to and I got some stories and I'll try to get the scripture to work with my stories. And the problem is we've come to the text with the wrong story. We've come to the text with mises that I am my own salvation rather than Jesus, God is salvation. But and I think that's what messes us up. But if I go to the text and let the text speak for itself, it's always surprising to me how it keeps drawing me back to the glory of God, that God is just this amazing, wonderful, beautiful thing. And we've spent so long trying to explain him why, but I was thinking about the scapegoat and preaching from first Peter, there's this interesting, he talks about the living temple and then he talks about sacrificing for, for people. And he does a lot to quote Isaiah 53. And Isaiah 53 is so interesting because scholars say well it seems like isaiah is describing the scapegoat why that's important is that i think in the in the western church in recent years rene Girard is a french sociologist and he he wrote a book about how jesus undid all the sacrifice because jesus made himself the scapegoat to kind of reveal how horrifying it is that we scapegoat people, that the way you build human institutions is you come up with a scapegoat and and Jesus is the scapegoat. So when we crucify the the scapegoat, it unmasks like how dark we are. And he's right about that. It does. When we crucify the scapegoat, it reveals evil. So the cross really is the knowledge, the tree of the knowledge of evil. And it shows how evil we are. But but what Gerard miss and what people miss is that in Leviticus 17 or 16? The whole point of the scapegoat is that the scapegoat is not sacrificed. The scapegoat—you confess your—the high priest confesses the sins of Israel over the scapegoat, and then the scapegoat is released in the wilderness. And what's fascinating is that on the Day of Atonement, he also sacrifices the sin offering. But if you take Scripture just literally, all the sins of Israel are on the scapegoat so the sin offering doesn't atone for any sin. Um, it just doesn't work. So like the book of Hebrews says, the, you know, the blood of bulls and goats cannot take away sin. So then you get back to, so where is the sin in the Old Testament? Well, it's somehow on this goat that's in this wilderness called Azazel that nobody can quite figure out. But it sounds like a place where people weep and gnash their teeth because they're hanging on to their own self-righteousness and their own life and their own ego but then in isaiah 53 there are these incredible prophecies where um it turns out that the scapegoat is kind of also the sin offering so what is the thing that happens at the cross well it's like the scapegoat comes in from the wilderness and what is the wilderness? Well I think the wilderness is humanity, humanity outside the garden hanging on to the life as if it's our own life. And so when Jesus comes to Jerusalem, the scapegoat shows up at the city walls and where he's sacrificed outside, you know, like Hebrew says, he's the sin offering, sacrificed out the walls. But then the blood is taken into the inner sanctuary. And what is the inner sanctuary? Well that somehow that's the heart of god but also the heart of me like he's is through his body that that curtain is then opened and so lo and behold wh- what is the thing that breaks down the walls of my ego it's the revelation that everybody i've scapegoated my whole life turns out to be jesus because jesus was actually in the last and the least of these and so his forgiveness is so extensive that well once i see it I can't help but love, you know, like Jesus said, um, and, he, and he said it in an interesting way. He said to the woman that, you know, put the perfume on his feet, she, she loved much. Let's see, how did he say it? He says she loves much, so she was forgiven much. And we've all been forgiven much, but we don't see it. So the judgment of God is the revelation that we've been forgiven much, which shatters the walls of my ego and pulls me back into the body where i realize that love is not a law love is the very will of god that sets me free so all that to say because we read penal substitutionary atonement back into the old testament we read we we ignore this beautiful thing that i think god is saying through sacrifice and and it, and it's important because we all suffer in this world, so if we, so you know, I think the temptation, once people realize, oh, God's not into endless torture, and God is love, sadly, people will, people will say, oh, well, then good, I'm done with God, I'm going to get on with my life, and, you know, maybe that's a step in everybody's growth. It's like going away to college, but I hope people would come home to Scripture. And realize, wow, this is the greatest story that was ever told. And in loving God, in losing myself, I, I find myself just like Jesus said. So um, point being, I think if we take a, a chance with scripture and just take a shot at believing it, I've I've always been amazed at how God surprises us with the most beautiful thing. It's exactly like it's exactly like. Jesus Christ and Him crucified. It is Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Go into that. What could be more terrifying than seeing God Himself hanging on a tree, bleeding? But once I stare at it a while and I surrender to it, I go. Well, what could be more incredible than seeing God and Christ bleeding for me be, because He He loves me so. All of Scripture, I think, is like that, so that the, some of the most terrifying verses become the, the most beautiful once I let the paradigm shift. Well,
0: once, that's one of the things they, I, yeah,
1: yeah, I really appreciated about you is that you seem to really be able to dive into some of the scariest texts in the Bible and come up with really beautiful connections. And it's something is happening. It's all powered Um I think by your lifetime in ministry and with Scripture and all of your experiences, and um, so I, I like to point people your direction and say, well, you know, believing that God will ultimately be all in all is not really doesn't really require a retreat from Scripture. You can you can dive into Scripture as much as you want to, and you'll be able to you'll be able to see all these connections if you give yourself a your shot now. Well, okay. and, and let me say this real quick. That, okay, and that's then why I, I want to get. Then, yeah. Okay, and then I want to get to what we're going to talk about for the rest of the podcast.
2: Oh, okay, yeah. So, and that's and that's real quick. Like because I think people sometimes think, oh, Peter's like, you know, a, a biblicist, and I'm going, well, the reason I care about the Bible is it's the Bible is the reason. Uh, I, well, God has revealed this to me in several different ways, but I go. It's the Bible that says God makes all things new. It's the Bible that says He reconciles all things to Himself in Jesus. It's the Bible that says that that says Dad is good. And once you start whittling away at it, well, the, it, you know, when you study the New Testament, when you say the New Testament authors, Jesus and Paul and John, and they're constantly quoting the Old Testament, so they see something incredibly beautiful in the whole thing, and it it's worth it's worth uh seeing the picture that they see, yeah for that very
1: reason I like that that the I'm making uh I'm making all things new that's in the and fun to get and you can get you get a lot into the Greek and I get into it some yeah. but it, that that's in the present active indicative so it's a it's a i am continuously making i that's what i do i am yeah, continually yeah. i am continually yeah, was, making all things new.
2: Yeah, it's Jesus' names. Yahweh is salvation. Yahashua—that's Ye- what his name means—and so it's that simple. That—that's what God does.
1: All right. Well, I guess one of the main reasons we wanted to talk today was I wanted to let people know that um, that you're making kind of a special effort at the end of the year, the sanctuary to meet your budget. You sent out a special letter to the uh, to the congregation uh, about this, and so could you just and you know kind of tell us what you what you put in that letter and what is it that you're hoping happens at the at the um at the sanctuary to kind of get you on track with your budget the way you'd like to be
2: yeah i you know i well it, people can read that letter if they just go to the sanctuarydenver.org website and look under news and there's a letter from peter um Every year, a lot of giving comes in towards the end. But this year, um, we were down more than we have been in several years. And I think we had some staff transitions and COVID that made things difficult. I think part of it is a transition that probably God kind of wants us to go through in our our thinking. And that is that most of the sanctuary is really an, an online congregation, and, um, you know, I think that's something that God kind of showed me early on is that, um, this isn't the, 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 message you're preaching, preaching, Peter probably isn't the kind that's, you know, gonna, you're going to show up and get everybody on the block to compete with the Methodist church down the street or whatever, but it's a, it's a message for people that are at that, at that right place. And so we have a lot of, people that connect with messages from sort of all over the world so we're becoming more of an online church so i in the in the letter i talk about the fact that i think we're jesus said we're his faithful witness and i say that because my wife will sometimes get these words of knowledge that are pretty cool and that i think we're called to testify as a group of people that worship together and and that really is not a different topic than what we've been talking about, in that in that, a lot of people, I think they just want to solve the problem of eternal conscious torment, and they think they get that solving, problem solved, and then they're sort of done. But the other side of getting that huge fly out of the ointment is this amazing picture of God that when we see it results in worship. And, I, you know, worship is a huge word. I don't mean singing songs. I, I mean... Well, worship is sacrifice. Worship is laying your life down, and and when you think of it that way, it's it's almost funny, because because we're all just dying for something worthy of our worship. So people, you know, around here, people are into the Broncos, and they're on a winning streak now, and it's it's because when a person is most happy is when they lose themselves and something greater than themselves. So. I go to a movie and I lose myself in the story of the movie, and then I I find myself in the movie, and the movie affects me because I start acting like the heroes in the movie, and mm-hmm. the I think the word for that is I just sacrifice my identity, um, I forgot about myself for a moment, and then lo and behold, I became part of the very story I was speaking about.
1: Well, how so, can people how can people become a part of this uh, online uh, um, church experience? Yeah. How, how do they do that, and then how can they uh, become um, givers and be connected in that way with the life of the congregation? I mean, I can answer that a little bit because yeah. there's a donate there's a donate place on the on the website, and so right. I know that my wife and I want to make uh, that part of our monthly giving, and it you know it wouldn't take uh, if just uh, you know it wouldn't take Thousands of people to do this. If uh, if uh, a a little bit can make a a, you know if just a few of us um, in my audience at least jumped in on this for a while on a monthly on a monthly basis, that could make a really huge difference. Oh yeah, uh, and and then we could also feel more a part of some of the online things that are available through you, and and we could even uh, there's like people. Let's say I wanted to start. Uh, making the Denver Sanctuary part of my uh, regular giving, uh, you're, you're doing just some open uh, online people, online things where people can chat with you about the upcoming sermon that you're working on. And, and they could really have yeah. some, they could have some real connection with you.
2: Yeah. So if you go to the letter, I'll explain some of that, but uh, I mean, I feel like we're, we're sort of being called to be something of an online church. So you, you can, um, watch the messages in a variety of ways so we have a a Facebook page where people can watch live but Facebook is always hard and sometimes they'll shut things down so a uh, YouTube channel a lot of people watch messages on the YouTube channel but doesn't necessarily include the whole service and then we have a website relentless-love.org that is kind of more more addressed to a lot of the theological issues Both of those sites, the SanctuaryDenver.org and Relentless-Love.org, have a donate button. And then I do have, we've been doing this thing called Chew the Fat, where after a message, we'll just have a Zoom call. And we do that every Tuesday after I preach at six o'clock. So if people email me. Then I six, send o'clock, them link. six o'clock
1: mountain time mountain
2: standard <laughs> i always have to say okay. that mountain standard time and basically it's just i read the text and i say hey what do you all want to talk about and we you know and like at our Chew the fat group most of the people are from other states or other countries they're not usually from here in denver um and you know now there's usually like ten or twelve or so, and we just sort of chew on the sermon. And then John, who's part time at the church now as my associate pastor, he leads a an online midweek uh, study where people can. You know, I, I've discovered that a lot of people are just saying, "Where can I just go be a Christian without feeling like someone's going to?" You know, pull out this stick and threaten me with endless right. conscious torment. So, uh, John's really into Christian formation, spiritual formation, prayer, that kind of stuff. Brett works with me on the website, and we're trying to figure out ways of being a better online church. And, you know, I'd love to do more for the websites, but all of that takes time and energy. So, with people giving, I think that would help us to become a much better online church. It's a little it's a little overwhelming trying to keep track of it. And I don't know how much we're supposed to keep track of it, but we would, when this is my, this is part of my vision too. Um, People just need, people need fellowship. So, you know, if folks are involved in other churches and they're um, connected with youth groups and choirs and all that stuff, I think that's great. But people also want fellowship in terms of, well, where can I go and just hear the gospel? preached mm-hmm. without worrying about th- that the that God is threatening to you well, know one
1: of the things I like about this is that um, you know I can be a member of my local I can be a member of my local congregation uh, and I can have I can have my minister there and I yeah. can also be a member of of your congregation and have access to to your ministry and uh, if I needed to, I assume that you know, it, like, um, since I'm um, contributing to the Denver Sanctuary and I'm becoming a part of it, um, that if, if I had like I needed to visit with you about something, that, that that I might be able to have a little bit of your time to yeah, I, no yeah. specific issue a or something something right. like that you know that, that that and we're in we're kind of in this uh on in this area of uh, where you're seeing all these ads for telehealth and so. Uh-huh. People are realizing that mental health is something that you need to work at just like your physical health. There's yeah. no shame in that. And spiritual health is is the same thing. Right. And so we all need a little bit of help and coaching from time to time. And, uh, you know, with the way that the Internet and everything works now, uh, you could help somebody uh, with that that needs a – because I have people that will come that, you know, send me emails and they say, oh, I've come to this beautiful vision. Of universal reconciliation, but I don't have anywhere to go to a church now, and, right. and so what I can what I can start doing now is uh, well Jerry Bocherman has a Hope yeah. for All Fellowship that he does on Sundays Sunday afternoons, yeah. so yeah. I usually recommend that, and then I can say well why don't you uh, why don't you check out the Denver Sanctuary there they're, they're becoming more of an on, understanding themselves more as an online kind of church right now and they have some online activities and. You could get involved there, and um, that could that could help you. Um, yeah, not feel yeah. alone. So, you know, not feel alone right. if you've come to this universal reconciliation yeah. idea.
2: Yeah, and Jerry is a friend, so you know, I've been on Jerry's thing once or twice, yeah. and and some of the people are doing both of those. So yeah, I that would be that would be great, and I spend a lot of time emailing, talking on the on the phone with. With people and and yeah. I and I think the thing that we offer that I feel like I don't know where else you would get this is, and I'm sure there are places because I get asked the question all the time: Where do I, you know, find a church like this? And and I'm not always sure, but the thing I feel called to is to you know preach through through Scripture. So if someone wants to kind of live out their Christian life and le- live from Scripture, um, that relentless dash website. They can get to that through the regular church website, Hello. but we have like sermon catalogs on there, and I I have uh, like catalogs that uh, like on on topics on verses that seem to contradict uh, relentless love, and then we have all sorts of catalogs on uh, or different catalogs on just like preaching through different books of the Bible, so that you can you can live your your Christian faith from. From scripture, yeah. So at our relentless-love.org website, um, if you, like you go to library, you click on sermons, and there'll be a thing that says select a sermon catalog. And under that, I have a, a few different um, sermon catalogs. So. Uh, one catalog is like sermons by scripture reference we have one that sermons by topic we have one that sermons addressing verses that seem to contradict the idea of relentless love but my hope is to help people um, deal with some of the verses that they've that they found difficult and then to see scripture in light of this new paradigm. We also have series. So we've preached through several different books of scripture like Ecclesiastes and Ephesians and Genesis and uh, all the gospels and the revelation. So you can go on there and read through the revelation. And I think uh, they they all harmonize in this beautiful way. Once you kind of get rid of some of the things that we talked about previously, Um, The other thing that I get really excited about that I I feel like I'm supposed to talk about and when the big church that I was a part of blew up I was preaching through this and just beginning to see this and I get so excited about it but sometimes I feel like it's almost make it's it's really hard to to preach because people sort of don't even have a vocabulary for some of the things I'm saying and those are the these three books that I've field called that I've, I've written two and i want to write a third um and you can get these on amazon but i'd love to mention these if people get get these books the money goes back to the church we give it back to the church but it also helps understand the sermons uh, the first one is called uh, the history of time and the genesis of you and that's that's a uh, also an audiobook and some people really like the audiobook better probably because I'm a speaker more than a writer, but that that's an exposition of Genesis chapter one. The second book is titled God and his body, the romance of Adam and his bride. And that's really sort of an exposition on Genesis two. And then I, I think I'm supposed to write a third book and I realize I've kind of been writing it for the last several years called the tree in the middle of the garden. The, the first book is about this idea that I think the first I used to, and this is what I mean by taking the, we're talking about taking the Bible literally. I, I, Genesis one used to be the most embarrassing chapter of the whole Bible to me, but I, having gone back to it with this new paradigm, I realized that I think it's like the history of all of time. And it's what the seven days are about, what the week is about. And it's revealing that God is in the process of making us all in his image and in the age to come, that which the Bible refers to as uh, Ionios, the age, God's age, uh, it is finished and everything is good. And so in the very first chapter, scripture reveals that God is making us in his image. He's not going to fail. The second book is about the wild thing he does by creating the Adam, which is something that happens on the sixth day of creation, which is kind of where we are now, and that the Adam is ultimately christ and somehow um, we are all his body and we come back together in this sacrificial communion and the sacrificial communion is so terrifying from the outside but it's absolute ecstasy from the inside in fact human sexuality is a picture of that communion and so and it happens we're made in the image of god at this weird in this weird encounter with this tree in the middle of the garden and the Mm -hmm. third book i get so excited about because if you take scripture i i think very literal in the way that i that i said it and and you ask the question what is the good well the good has to somehow be god incarnate according to what jesus says and then you ask the question what is the life jesus said i am the life And then you ask the question well what would be hanging on a tree of the knowledge of good and evil what would be hanging on the tree of life that are both in the very same spot it it paints this amazing picture that the tree in the middle of the garden is the cross and the way that we're all made in the image of god on the sixth day of creation is this amazing encounter with the cross so god consigned all to disobedience that he may have mercy on all because it's through the revelation of his mercy that, um, God, uh, creates a good free will in each one of us. So, um, we're all predestined for this good free will and God is doing it right now. So Mm -hmm. I think the gospel is beautifully portrayed right at the very start of scripture. So, um, I'd love it if people would read those first two books and you, you can get those at Amazon or you can see them on our website. But, um, and I, and I think it's, it's basically the story that the early church fathers talked about, but you're waving at me. So what's that? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, I was just going to say that you also have another book, uh, Eternity Now. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that has to do with revelation. And so I, I was just thinking that it seems to me that, that you spend a lot of time, in those, in the parts of the Bible that are really difficult for people, the, the, you know, the very beginning and the very, <laughs> in the, in the, in the very end. So say a little bit about the Eternity Now book.
2: Right, right. That would be great. Great. So um, if you go, uh, let's see here, I'm trying to figure out my own website here, but uh, if you go to the relentless-love.org page and there's a, there's a main, a slider screen, You can slide through to where you'll see something on the Revelation. And uh, it says, Revelation, collected sermons available for download. So years ago when I was at Lookout, uh, and and right before everything sort of blew up a few years before, I preached through the Revelation. The Revelation always terrified me. But I thought, well, I'm going to start preaching it, go through the letter of the seven churches, and if it's going well, I'm just going to keep going. I got through the letter of the seven churches, and you'll notice seven's gonna keep showing up here, which is a key to understanding the Genesis too. And I realized this is amazing. This is not saying what I thought. That this is the letters aren't to the seven churches. The letters are like from Jesus to the angel of the seven churches, which I think is his Holy Spirit in us. Like I'm overhearing God talk about what it's gonna to take to redeem Peter Hyatt. And then the rest of the revelation is the thing I'm supposed to pay attention to and God is revealing Jesus in the rest of the revelation this isn't a map for us to follow in 2049 or whatever this is what this is a picture of what God is doing all the time once i stop taking my view of space and time so literally and i start taking the meaning of the text literally at the time that i was preaching through it we were having all these wild encounters with our a friend that had been raised in this coven and I realized, oh, the writer on the white horse is he's here on Sunday morning and there's fire. We can call it down on the room and it burns the evil one and comforts us. And there is this reality that is more real than the reality that I'm experiencing right now. And it intersects with us all the time. So we, we preach through the revelation and you know that's when i was kind of like a a name and Mm -hmm. i had all these publishers wanting to publish it and they published it put it in bookstores uh like barnes and noble but they tried to advertise it as an end times book and it's kind of saying just the the opposite that the end times are now um, when we encounter jesus and um so anyway with that that you can find that it's out of print now, but we re- I re-preached the Revelation a couple years ago. And we kind of, we cleaned it up and sort of made it into a, a book as well. So what I'm saying is if you go to the Relentless-Love website, you can download that whole thing just online. And I think it's a lot better than the original book, which um, was you know sold in places like Barnes and, and Noble. Um, and what's so cool about it, David, is, you know, I got to the end of preaching through the revelation. I got to the last chapter kind of understanding kind of issues about space and time and eternity and, and mm-hmm. what the, the repeated sevens were throughout the whole book and got to the, the point where the voice from the throne says, behold, I'm making all things new. And I remember I said to the church at that time, I said, you know, now there's the church. And that's is really in the prison,
1: Present active indicative. I am and, continuously yeah, making and I all said, things new.
2: Yeah, and I said, I don't know how to explain this away. I think he's going to do it. And everybody just smiles and goes, yeah. And then over the next several years, preaching through the gospel, I'm like, and the rest of the Bible backs this up. He's, he's going to pull this thing off. And he's, we're observing him doing it right now. We're observing our own creation in the sixth day. And our hope is a steadfast hope that won't disappoint us because... It's already happened in eternity. Yeah, We're already you, seated in the heavenly places.
1: Well, if, and once you start getting all of that, if you, if you look around at the world and you say the world is currently being made new, that God is currently yeah. at work making all things new, and that at the end of the ages, God will be all in all. And if you wake up to that, then it makes life really shiny, even, you know, yeah. it infuses, yeah. it infuses even the difficult parts with a kind of beautiful sacrificial meaning. So, I mean, I, I, would, yeah,
2: yeah, totally.
1: Yeah. So, and that we get to all sort of enter in this together uh, with you through the uh, sanctuary church. It just seems like a, like a beautiful thing for me to. Yeah. To so I'd love it if people. And, yeah. Tell others about. It.
2: Just down- downloaded that, the new revelation series from, from the website.
1: Yeah. And you can get but, I've, but I've the, got it all, uh, the eternity now. Is still available it's on kindle and hardcover uh through amazon uh so you yeah. can yeah you know, you and can it's, it's good the, the and then the you last can, series you can read i think that. is even better <laughs> you could read that and then you could hear how the sermons kind of take off from there i guess
2: yeah well and and the, what's so cool i think david is that the i think the whole bible is telling the same story and the revelation is telling the same story as genesis as the weird sections in leviticus as the gospels and once you once you get rid of the idea that we have to save ourselves and you get rid of the weird stuff around penal substitutionary atonement you begin to realize oh i think god is behind scri- actually behind scripture and he's telling the story from all these different angles so the, the bible is an utterly remarkable book i think uh, compared to all other all other spiritual books that are out there.
1: Well, I want to, uh, uh thank you for your ministry and I'm excited. Um, this has kind of given me the nudge to, uh, begin, um, getting to make my little sacrifice for the, um, <laughs> for the Denver sanctuary and get to feel more connected with that and with you and with the things that I think are, are going to be coming in the next months and years at the sanctuary. So, um, I hope that this I hope that people listening to this will pray about this and consider um uh, contributing joining in with making a sacrifice to be a part of the ongoing life of the Sanctuary Denver and um hope that all comes true at the at the end of the year here for you.
2: Yeah, well thanks David. I so appreciate you and what you're doing. I mean the, the pod, your podcast is
1: just wonderful. So thank you. Yeah, there's lots of things that are out there that are that are kind of building now. A lot of people are started to kind of put their content out there and stuff is starting to mature. And so I'm, I'm excited about where this is all going.
2: What I'm excited about is that maybe people can finally believe the gospel. So a lot of times I preach and I feel like people are looking at me like, where are you getting this stuff? And I just want to say it's the Bible, but but you haven't been able to believe it because you're, you've got these weird pictures in your head that, that, are, that come, I think they come from the evil one. So all right. uh, well, God hopefully God we're, we're at Peter. a tipping point.
1: Yeah. Well, God bless you, Peter. I look forward to the next time that we get to visit together. Great. Thanks, David.
0: Thank you for joining us in this episode of grace saves all. You can help spread the word by sharing this podcast with others and by giving it a rating on iTunes. If you want to find out more about David, or if you'd like to leave him a message, go to his website, davidartman.net. In the meantime, let's work together to help a hurting world know about the greatest news ever announced.